Good evening, welcome to another edition of our Monday night Shi'ur on Sefer Mishle. We are continuing with Perek Het. If you are following with us inside, live, or on our podcast, we are about a quarter way through the Perek in a very, very awesome discussion of the power of the Torah. The end of Perek Zion, we spoke about the uh, influences of the heretics and the foreign women. And here in Perak 8, Perak Het is totally devoted to the incredible influence of what is true, which is the Torah. And we are on Pasuk Yud Bet, again for those following inside live or on the podcast, where we will begin to discuss an aspect of the Torah being the source of truest success. And Shlomo HaMelech here writes beautifully. And again, the the Torah is speaking in first person, in the name of wisdom, because wisdom is Torah. That's the theme pretty much throughout the Sefer, throughout the book of Mishle, is that wisdom is the acquirement of Torah. And he writes, Ani shachanti orma. I am wisdom, I dwell in shrewdness. See, once a person has studied the Torah, then he attains shrewdness in all other areas as well. Vilna Gaon points out that though our forefather Yaakov Avinu was called Ish Tam, Yosef Alim, a man of perfect innocence, he had the shrewdness necessary to outwit his brother Isav, when it came time to obtaining the Berachot from Yitzchak, and as well to outwit Lavan in obtaining the wages that he deserved. And this shrewdness, this Orama, was a direct result of Yaakov's mastery of the wisdom of the Torah. Without the Torah's wisdom, a person cannot have the shrewdness to outwit people that want to cause him harm. To outwit the Yetzirara, the evil inclination that wishes to cause him harm spiritually. I, wisdom says, I provide knowledge of designs. Torah is the ability to provide the ideas a person needs to save himself from the persuasion of the Yetzirara. Yirat Hashem Senot Ra. Fear of Hashem is hatred of evil. I hate pride, wisdom says. I hate haughtiness, the way of evil in a duplicitous mouth. Abinu Bahya here says, Ra, he defines Ra as an evil person, a person who personifies the base traits that this pasuk enumerates that of arrogance and pride, an evil way, a duplicitous mouth, a person who has yirat Hashem, a person who is God-fearing, will hate over evildoers. David HaMelech says in Tehilim, Halo mesanecha Hashem esna. For indeed, those who hate you, Hashem, I hate as well. The Gemara identifies apostate Jews whose heresy is uh, is so uh, powerful that it is a mitzvah to hate those individuals. 
they are far more dangerous than ordinary reshaim because they attempt to poison other Jews. They, they attempt to poison other Jews against Hakadosh Baruch Hu. The Vilna Gaon said differentiates between pride and haughtiness. A proud person regards himself as superior, and the rest of the world insignificant. It don't matter. But a haughty person goes even further because he wishes to impose his authority over others. Arrogance, ga'ava, is the seminal trait of faulty character. The Gemara Masechet Sotah goes at length to stress how much God hates a bal ga'ava, an arrogant person. And they teach that the arrogant deserve to be cut down like an asherah tree, the tree that's used for pagan worship. Their bodies are not going to be resurrected during Tehayat HaMetim in the Messianic era. HaKadosh Baruch Hu exclaims about such a person, En ani vehu yecholim ladur ba'olam. He and I cannot dwell together in this world. That's how much God despises the arrogant and wisdom as well. Li aitza ani bina li gevura. Wisdom says, mine are counsel and wisdom. I am understanding. Mine is strength. Very esoteric pasuk. Pasuk that doesn't make, make much sense when you read it literally. See that Torah provides the tools through which a person can conquer his evil inclination. The counsel that saves one from its persuasions and the ability to weaken it. The understanding to, uh, to hate it and the strength to overcome it. The word tushia in this pasuk, is derived from the words tashut hakoach, which means weakening of strength. The Torah's advice and counsel enables a person to weaken the Yetzirah's power. The Gemara and Masechet Kiddushin, derives a very similar idea from the phrase that we say every day in Shema Yisrael, V'samtem et devarai ele. You shall place these words of mine in reference to the Torah. The word V'samtem can be understood as Samtam, a perfect potion. See, the, to the Torah's words are a remedy for all evil. The Gemara illustrates this with a parable of a father who punished his son and then placed a bandage on the wound. And he instructed the child, as long as the bandage remains on the wound, you can eat and drink whatever you want, and he may wash the wound in either hot or cold water without fear. However, should he remove the bandage, the wound will fester. So too, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, Barati Yetzir Hara, Barati Lo Torah Tavlin. I created the evil inclination, but I created the Torah as an antidote to it. When the sages describe Torah as Mateshet Kolchoshel Adam, that the Torah is the ability to weaken a person's strength, this seems to contradict the fact that the Torah brings strength and health to a person's body, which we spoke about earlier in Perigimel, Pasukhaet. However, both characteristics are true. Achachamim explain that the degree of the single-minded intensity needed to succeed in Torah study, yes, it could weaken a person at first. No question. He struggles to dive into its depths. 
But once the Torah is understood, it brings him strength, it brings him valor. And this is what is implied from the Pasuk, Mine are counsel and tushiyah, that is, when I'm trying to understand the meaning of the Torah, it weakens me, but that's fine. Ani bina li But when it comes to understanding, when I finally understand the Torah, then mine is strength. And therefore I have the power. I've discerned what Torah teaches. And then I, I am straight, uh, strengthened. Through me, kings will reign and rulers will decree righteousness. The Torah is telling us, the, the, the I, meaning the Torah, teach the king's laws and justice. If a king follows the Torah's laws, then his reign will endure and his laws will be just and correct. One of the commandments upon a Jewish king, one of the 613 mitzvot, said a Jewish king has to write his own Torah scroll. And he has to take that Torah with him everywhere he goes so they can constantly learn and practice its teachings. And he needs to be loyal to his teachings. Israel, the Torah says, so that he will prolong his years over his kingdom, he and his sons. And therefore his reign is conditional on the Torah and the mitzvot and his adherence to the, to the commandments. As we see many times throughout history, when things don't follow, when the kings don't follow the commandments, their kingdom crumbles. When HaKadosh Baruch Hu appeared to Shlomo HaMelech in Gibon and granted his request for wisdom, God also added other blessings that Shlomo HaMelech didn't even request. Longevity, wealth, and victory over his enemies. And those blessings were given unconditionally. But the endurance of his, of his kingdom and his dynasty was dependent upon whether or not he will be allegiant to the Torah and the mitzvot. And we know, unfortunately, when Shlomo Amir, towards the end of his life, married the daughter of Paro and married other foreign wives and took too many wives and had too many horses, where things started to crumble. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu had to take away the kingdom from him, not him actually, but his son, Rehobam. Shaul HaMelech lost his throne because he didn't obey Shmuel HaNavi. Disregarding the prophet is tantamount to disregarding the words of the Torah, the words of God. And therefore, Shmuel prophesied that the kingdom would be torn away from him as well and given to someone more worthy. Had, Shmuel listened to Shmuel, uh, had Shaul listened to Shmuel's words, the kingdom would have remained in his family. Only two years after he became king, unfortunately, Shaul HaMelech was killed in war with the Plishtim. And his monarchy was passed to David, David HaMelech. All judgments and advice needed by a ruler can be found in the Torah. The Gemara Masechet Gitin derives this pasuk that Torah scholars are called kings. In fact, there are three vessels in the Mishkan. The Mizbeach, the Aron, and the Shulchan. The altar, the ark, and the table were all made with a golden rim. And the Torah calls it Zer Zahav, Zer, which protruded upwards like a crown. And Rabbi Yohanan in Masechet Yoma teaches, the crown of the Mizbeach was taken by Aharon because it symbolizes the Avodah and the Bet Amidash, the divine service, a task that is reserved for Aharon HaKohen and his sons. The crown of the Shulchan of the table was taken by David HaMelech 
because it symbolizes material success. And that's the responsibility of the monarchy and the king to protect and nurture. But the crown of the Aron, the crown of the Ark, which symbolizes the Torah, the glory of the Torah, is available for anyone wishing to attain it. Unless we think that the Torah, the crown of the Torah, is less than the other two, the Gemara quotes our verse here, this Pasuk, Through me, the Torah, through me, the Torah, kings will reign. <clears throat> the Midrash uh, quotes a question posed by Rabbi Shimon ben Al-Azhar. Who is greater, one who appoints kings or the monarch himself? One who appoints officers or the officer himself? And undoubtedly, the one who appoints others to positions of authority exercises the greater power. The crown of the keuna of the priesthood, the crown of the malchut, of the kingship, are both derived from the Torah. Through me, the kings will reign. Pasuk Tetzayin says, Through me, officials will rule, and nobles, all who judge righteously, if the laws of the Torah are the guidelines for the monarchy, then his rule will endure. The, the, the Malbim explains that this Pasuk and the previous one delineate two different types of justice. Pasuk Tetzayin here, the one we just read, deals with officials, Sarim, and Nedivim, nobles, uh, who judge according to the laws of the Torah. But the previous Pasuk, Pasuk Tedvav, deals with Melachim and Roznim, kings and rulers, who have more latitude to go beyond the letter of the law. Yet the Torah is the basis for all justice. It contains guidelines for both kings and officials to execute judgment, but not just any judgment, righteous judgment. Ani ohavai ehav. I love those who love me. Again, the Torah is talking, wisdom is talking here, saying, wisdom loves those who love her. The Gemara, a very intriguing Gemara, in Masechet Brachot, Daf Nun Hei Amur says, En HaKadosh Baruch Hu noten ela God does not give wisdom except a person who already has wisdom. Since wisdom is granted by HaKadosh Baruch Hu, then how does a person, a person initially attain in order to qualify for further wisdom? So the Vilna Gaon explains simple. That a person merits the heavenly beracha, blessing of wisdom, by just loving it. When a person exhibits love for chokhmah and love for studying Torah, Kadosh Baruch Hu will bless him with wisdom. This close relationship between God and those who study His Torah can be understood by the famous dictum of our Chachamim. Kucha berichu ve'oraita chadhu. The Holy One, Kadosh Baruch Hu, and the Torah are one. They're one and the same. The Malbim explains that if an individual really cherishes wisdom and cleaves to it, then wisdom requites his love and reveals its secret to him. Just like a person confides in someone that he loves. Wisdom will protect him from sin, like a person who protects uh, his beloved. And those who search for me will find me. Those who search for the meaning of the Torah's words will find many explanations, many reasons, 
and Hidushim by delving in the wisdom. Rashi notes that the word Yimsa'unini has an extra noon. Should have just said Yimsa'uni. What's the meaning Yimsa'unini? There's two noons at the end there. And Rashi explains that this alludes to the 50, 50 is noon, noon is 50 in Gematria, to the 50 levels of Bina, the noon Sha'are Bina, that God will reveal to those who love the Torah. Osher vechavod iti. Wisdom says that riches and honor are with me. Even a person who studies Torah, not purely for the sake of heaven, will merit honor and wealth. But a person who studies Torah l'shem shamayim, for the sake of heaven, and he doesn't seek benefits in this world, will have the merits accumulated, iti, iti, with me, God. And they will be stored and ready for you in olam Hon atek utztaka. A powerful fortune and righteousness. This pasuk advises us not to neglect Torah study in favor of pursuing worldly needs. Once an individual has acquired the wisdom, he will enjoy wealth and honor as well. It contains all the good qualities. We spoke about Shlomo HaMelech earlier when he became king at the age of 12, according to most opinions. God allowed him to request anything he wanted. And he requested chokhmah, he requested wisdom. And as a reward for choosing wisdom over everything else, God granted him not only wisdom, but as well, wealth and honor. The Midrash compares this to a king who told his messenger, whatever request you make now will be granted. So the man reasoned, let me make one request that will include everything. And he said to the king, I request your daughter as my wife. So too, Shlomo HaMelech reasoned that if he had wisdom, he would have everything. The Gaon Mevilna explains the difference between the two words for righteousness. There's tzedek and tzedakah. What's the difference? Tzedek means that a person is given only what he deserves according to the attribute of justice. Tzedakah means that he's going to be provided with his needs whether he's deserving or not. And therefore our pasuk indicates that in the merit of studying Torah, a person will be treated with tzedakah. That means he's going to be supplied with all his needs, regardless of whether he merits him or not. The Malbim explains that the rewards of Torah study are true and everlasting. See, wealth is transitory, meaning it passes. That The wealth of Torah is hon atek. It's an enduring fortune, something that will accompany a person in olam abba. The word tzedakah is explained by the Metsudot slightly differently, but beautifully. The Metsudot explains that the wealth attained by a person who studies Torah will be given to him as tzedakah, as charity. In other words, God will bless him with great fortune in this world as a charity, without diminishing his eternal reward in olam haba. Normally when something good happens to you in this world, it's just really taking points from the next world. You're just using up your sachar, your zechuyot. But no, when a person studies Torah, nothing gets used up. But you still get the reward here. Tov piri meharutz umipaz. My fruits are better than refined gold, even fine gold. Why is it that the righteous... The tzaddikim may not enjoy wealth and honor in this world. Why do we always speak against that? Despite the promise of the previous uh, pasuk that they're going to get 
a lot of berachot, but yet we're saying that my fruits are better than refined gold. So Vilna Gaon explains that since the rewards of Olam Abba are far greater than the best pleasures of this world, the tzaddikim prefer that even the fruits, meaning the part of their reward that can be brought and awarded in this world, should be saved for Olam Abba. This is like a traveler who passed through a country where iron was expensive and gold was cheap. So what did he say to himself? He took advantage of the opportunity. He exchanged iron that he had for the gold. And, and he hoarded the gold. And then when he returned home, he brought home a fortune of gold. And with him, he uh, amassed an incredible amount of wealth. So too it is with the tzaddikim. They realize that they are just traveling through. They're just here temporarily. They're traveling through this world. They work hard amassing a fortune of Torah and good deeds here, living in this olam, because they know that my fruits, that is even the smallest part of their reward in keeping the Torah, surpasses even the finest pleasures which, uh, of this world. They save their wealth to enjoy it in olam abba. And my produce better than choice silver. Produce here in reference to Bina, to understanding what protrudes, the, the result of the Chokhmah. Just like man plants wheat and brings forth its produce through his labor, so too an individual attains Bina. He attains understanding by delving in the Torah's wisdom. I will lead in the path of righteousness. According to the Vilna Gaon here, tzedakah refers doing kind deeds for all people. So therefore, Chokhmah is telling us, if a person goes on a path of, of kindness, then I will go on that person's path. Betoch netivot mishpat, amid the pathways of justice. Again, says the Malbim here, he notices the two ways in which God treats the righteous. On one hand, when he meets out justice, he gives them exactly what they deserve each individual according to their own merit. And that's why the term associated with justice is netivot. Netivot are the small byways that are traversed by an individual because each person is dealt with individually. But when God gives out and dispenses tzedakah, which is undeserved goodness, He bestows kindness beyond what individuals have earned. His charity does not depend on in the individual's deeds. And therefore, the channel that's associated with that is orach. Be'orach tzedakah Orach is a broader path, a wider road, which many, many people can travel. Lehanchil ohava yesh ve'otzerotehem amale. The final pasuk for tonight. I have what to bequeath to those who love me. And I shall fill their storehouses. Very, very famous pasuk. I have with me, Kadosh Baruch Hu says, a great inheritance to give those who love me. And this refers to the tremendous good awaiting the tzaddikim in Olam Habba. The Hafez Chaim on this pasuk wonders why there's a need to reassure the tzaddikim who love God that he, that God himself has enough resources to reward them adequately. He explains that this is an, an indication of the enormity of the reward to those who study Torah. 
so great is the reward that a person might wonder whether God himself has sufficient resources to provide it all to those who devote themselves to study. To study each individual word of Torah is a misfan to itself, and therefore with its own incredible reward. And the term, those who love me, le'anchil ohavai yesh ve'otzrotehem yemale ohavai, describes the people who study Torah constantly. Each word of their Torah creates another angel, and that angel will greet them in olam In one day of Torah study alone, they accumulate thousands upon thousands of merits. Should one doubt that HaKadosh Baruch Hu can settle the account of that of those immeasurable words, this pasuk tells us, Yesh, le'anchilo avai, to bequeath to those who love me, who study Torah constantly, yes, God indeed has the ability to do so, because God is infinite. He can allot infinite goods, infinite berachot to the righteous in the world to come. We see how greatly HaKadosh Baruch Hu's power differs from that of a mortal king. If a mortal king was to reward all of the inhabitants of his country, deservingly so, he can't. He can't reward them all. Even if he was fabulously wealthy, any reward that he allocated would be minuscule if he divided his fortune among everyone. Not only that, he can only reward those subjects who are alive. Those who have died, that's it, are beyond the realm of reward. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the opposite. He has infinite capacity to reward even if the whole world was righteous. He can create many more worlds as an inheritance for those who deserve it. And even after the tzaddikim have died, God continues to reward them in the hereafter. And I shall fill their storehouses. Again, the Chafet Chaim comments that when a mortal invites others to share his bounty, the size of each guest's share diminishes as the number of participants increase. This is not true of the heavenly good. The reward of the tzaddikim in Gan Eden does not lessen as the numbers of tzaddikim increase. No matter how many people are deserving of eternal reward, HaKadosh Baruch Hu declares, I shall fill their storehouses, and everyone will receive his full measure of good. In this sense, Gan Eden is comparable to the Azara of the, of the Bet HaMikdash, where it was said that there was always room for the hundreds of thousands of Jews who came to Yerushalayim on each of the uh, festivals of the Shalosh Regalim. Just as HaKadosh Baruch Hu is unbounded by space, His dwelling space is not limited by physical constraints. The word Yesh, the Mekubalim write, can also be explained as an everlasting possession, one that is acquired for eternity. The, the Mishnah Masechet Avot explained the differences between Abraham Avinu, our forefather, and the disciples of Bilam Arasha. The disciples of our forefather Abraham enjoy the fruit of their good deeds in this world and inherit Olam Abam. But the disciples of Bilam, not so. And based on the numerical value of the word Yesh, which is 310, the Chachamim teach that in the future, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will cause each one of the righteous to inherit 310 
worlds, 310 olamot. And the commentators on the Mishnah addressed the question of why the righteous are promised specifically with 310 worlds as a reward. Tosafot Yom Tov explains that in the past, Bnei Israel inherited the land of seven out of 70 nations, a mere tenth. In the future, they're going to inherit ten times as much. They're going to be the moral rulers of all the nations of the world. And therefore, similarly, when conquering the land of Israel, Yeshua, the Jews overpowered and killed 31 kings when they entered Eretz Israel for the first time. And since their future conquest is going to be ten times greater, they will inherit a total of 310 worlds. This is what uh, they're going to inherit. Alternatively, you can say there are 613 commandments in the Torah, plus seven rabbinic commandments, which total 620. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives the righteous one world for each commandment they observe. However, this Mishnah mentions that they will receive 310, not 620 worlds of reward. Why? Because the remaining 310 that are left belong not to them. They belong to their wives. They belong to the other half who deserve an equal share of their husband's reward in Olam because they're the ones pushing their husbands to learn, to wake up early, to send them to Bet Knesset, to pray, so they get half the reward. Yes, the Tzadikim are going to receive 310. Who gets the other 310 out of the 620? That is the Nashim Tzadkaniyot, the righteous women. The Ezor Eliyahu comments homiletically that the word Yisachar can be read Yesh Sachar. There are 310, yes, that's 310, sachar, worlds of reward, awaiting those people who study Torah. And that's why Yisachar, Yisachar was a tribe that personified total dedication to Torah study. We spoke in the past of the, of the partnership between Yisachar and Zebulun, Zebulun supporting Yisachar. But those people that sit and they study they acquire Yesh Sachar, the 310 worlds of reward, Le'atid Lavo. And as we spoke, of course, so will those of Zebulun who help support the people who say Torah. They also get that equal share of 310 worlds. Bezrat Hashem, next week we will continue this Pedic where we talk about how the Torah preceded everything, how it's the blueprint of creation and and how it's important it is to follow the Torah and its teachings, the message of Chokhmah, the message of the Torah, influencing us in good, positive ways. Bezrat Hashem, we will continue next week. Have a wonderful night, everybody. Take care. The Finding Holiness podcast has been brought to you by Eli's Fine Foods, serving the Toronto Jewish community for over 25 years. Eli's is proud to provide you with all delicacies, catering, and services and events. Check them out at elisfinefoods.com.